Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new episode of Decuts Live. I'm your host, Antoine Reed. If this is your first time watching on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter, just make sure you hit that like or subscribe button to be notified of any time we have new episodes or content. Today's guest is uh, Lito Gomez Jr. He's someone I met for the first time at the Premium Cigar Association trade show a couple weeks ago in Vegas. And obviously, he's one of the up and coming uh, next generation within the cigar industry. So I'm looking forward to um, speaking with him and getting to know more about him and sharing uh, with you all the story behind one of, I think, this year's biggest releases, which is the La Flor Dominicana Solis. So let's bring him on. Lito, how are you? Hey, Antoine, I'm doing well. Um, I just want to say thank you again for having me on. Yeah. Thank I've you. watched a couple of your videos. I'm very <laughs> happy to be here right now. So, yeah, man. Yeah, well, thank you for coming on. Like I said, uh, you're of kind of a, you, I think, this year, and we'll get to more about this later, but I think uh, you you kind of made the news in the industry with Solus because it was such a, a big release from La Florida Dominicana. Uh, La Florida Dominicana releases some great things, but they don't always, you know, it's not like some companies that kind of push out so many releases every year. Yeah, so it's always a big deal. I think when La Florida Dominicana releases something, and you were kind of the uh, brainchild behind this latest big release. So I'm looking forward to kind of talking a little bit about yeah, of uh, a little bit later. But uh, I think a lot of people were were interested in hearing from you, especially because we haven't really seen you. And I think you've been at events, obviously, and uh, at different. Uh, things in the industry but we haven't really heard from you uh yet which i'm sure uh that will change in the, in the near future you'll be a regular on all these podcasts that, uh, yeah. so um uh I, I thought it was interesting when we were at the trade show you and i were talking and you're you're attending um which is where i went for an academic year as i tell people so uh, <laughs> uh so how many more years at UM do you have? Okay, so as of now, I am a, well, technically I'm supposed to be a senior. However, I am actually kind of ironic. Mm-hmm. When I was coming to college, um, everybody was saying, oh, like, you're going to enter a major and, like, you're just going to start jumping around because you have no idea what it's actually about. And I was always like, oh, come on. Like, there's no way it's true. Yeah, I, I've jumped around from, this is my third major now. So mm-hmm. I'm supposed to only have a year, I have a year and a half left, but hey man, I have a beautiful excuse to be at UM for another <laughs> few months longer. So I'm not going to say no to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well hopefully I, I, I would take it. You're having a good experience at UM. Mine, oh, yeah. mine was a little bit different. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad to hear, hear that uh, for you, it's a good experience. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, um, so at first I was actually at FIU um, to work on grades. And I transferred. And I feel like why I love UM. So, like, why am I in such a good experience? Because, like, when I was at FIU, it was just the polar opposite. Um, there wasn't that much social going on. But, um, yeah, talking about your experience. I'm right that you left UM, but not really that you went to um, North Carolina. So, 
Yeah. <laughs> With me, it was always about, it was, it was a roommate situation. So that's a lot. Oh, yeah. I think I went through two, I went through two different roommates in that span of that one academic year. And it was like my first year in college. And uh, I will say, I won't say what uh, fraternity one of them was uh, pledging for, but it was definitely like, it turned into like one of those things. Like every time I heard about that fraternity, it was like, yeah. oh my gosh. So, um, I mean, also back in the day, I feel like you almost probably a lot more wild than it is now. Yeah. So, well, it's, um, it's probably yeah. rough. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, so getting back to you, like I said, I'm interested into learning more about you and your experience yep. in the industry, because I know from speaking to so many people that even though you come from a family that now is very well established within the cigar industry, not everyone associated with a family in the cigar industry always wants to get into the, the business. So yeah, did you... So, I guess starting at, at that point, how long have you kind of thought about like, yeah, I want to be part of this business like everybody else in the family? Uh, yeah, man. So older brother, when he was on, he kind of, I'm, I may be along the lines, but it's because it's true. So I'm blessed to a point where my parents, they were always like, look, we're doing this. All right. You could do it if you want gonna have to work your ass off but if you don't want to do it it's fine and they gave me all the resources that i needed to do other things and they always kept me out of they weren't pushing me away but like they were very like okay if we put him too much in this this is all like he's gonna like no and he's not gonna be able to experience so i'm i'm extremely thankful for that and i remember I'm not going to say how old I was because technically it's not necessarily, but yeah, it, it just wasn't allowed. But at my first PCA or it was IPCPR at the time, long, long, long ago. Um, and my dad brought me in to see everybody. And yeah, I just, I just kind of fell in love with it. And always like throughout the process, he, I mean, just growing up, like you see, pictures on the wall of him and like his good friends like the cigars everywhere of course <laughs> and yeah i just also with he would take me to the Dominican republic a lot so i was there like three times a year and when i decided i i had some ideas on the side and obviously i still have things that i want to do after or not after but alongside with cigars mm -hmm. it was kind of when i was 16, I guess, was when I was like, yo, this is what I'm going to do. Like, I I like it. I enjoy it. Like, everything is here for me, and I could help make what we have so much better. Just because, I mean, yeah, that's kind of the goal. I mean, like, make it better. And I was like, you know what? Like, this is it. I'm going to actually head serious now. So during the summers, I'd work in the distribution office from every day. And I was like, yeah, this is it. So so what about the cigar industry or lifestyle like appeals to you the most? So a your question. Um, for one, there aren't a lot of products that are as premium and have this much care in it. Um, and there's just like on the product itself standpoint, 
then on on that same side, it's so I'm very creative, and that's kind of always been an outlet of mine. So mm-hmm. being able to create something with your own your own mind, your own hands, and being able to contribute was always huge for me. And I that's one of the things I fell in love with cigars, and people are enjoying them. So like something for me is I get very motivated by other people. So I like being able to make somebody and watch people for one, enjoy it, but share experiences with others with that product is very special to me. And in the industry overall, I don't think many other industries can say that your competitors are also your best friends. Right. And as I said, I've always been around it. So a lot of these guys in the industry are like my uncles to an extent and have always been there for me and like always yeah been there for me showed love and yeah man so that is extremely special and when i was like thinking of other things to do i was like i'm not gonna get this like i'm family with the whole whole industry at this point i can't get to somewhere else you know so what when you talked about your relationship with other people in the industry like do you consider i know you consider your father obviously and your your mother to be mentors and also your brother but is there somebody outside of the family that you kind of look towards as kind of for like guidance sometimes or advice? I mean, I haven't necessarily gone through huge lengths to ask advice. For me, it's kind of, you're young, like, you know what, time to observe. So like um, in terms of that and people I look up to in the industry, obviously George Padron, um, I've known the family my whole life and, I've just seeing, obviously seeing them and every time George and I have a chat, I always try to pick at his brain a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with Alito Fuente and Hochi Blanco as well. Um, so Hochi, every time I'm in the DR, I, I see Hochi like five times a week. So mm-hmm. yeah, those... Obviously, I always go around asking everybody, but those are kind of the people I feel like I'm closest with and I'm able to observe the most, you know? Yeah. What what kind of things did, you know, when you first started getting involved in the industry, I'm sure your your father kind of wanted to help guide you. So what were some of the things that he kind of helped steer you, like, away from? And then what were kind of some of the advice that he kind of gave you along the way? Uh, yeah, man. So, first off, for everyone knows this, Alito teaches by example to an extent. He's very firm. So he he's a very hard-headed human being, and to his degree, it works. Um, obviously, it's not always the easiest to deal with, but it's amazing, and I feel like I've learned the most through that. But in terms of kind of starting off, his huge thing was always obviously well for one they're your competitors but we operate with respect Mm -hmm. um you guys will compete but they're also your good friends at the end of the day so always be respectful those in the industry that was huge um as well as just if you're gonna do something you gotta do it for a reason you can't just like in terms of our products and whatnot, everything kind of has a story to it. And his whole ideology, and this is more than just cigars, 
if you're going to go all in on something, you got to have a reason to do it. So in terms of the blending process, um, I would always just like when I was younger, I'd always just go and say, oh, let's do this. Let's do this because it's cool. And he was like, that, there's no purpose to do that, man. Like, this is pointless. Um, oh, so, so yeah, I feel like those are two good, solid ways to answer, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't necessarily recall all of them because it's just <laughs> all flux of every minute of the hour, every hour of the day. But yeah, I feel like those are the two guiding principles. Can you ever feel the pressure being like part of this next generation coming from Lido, that pressure to like overperform or to like, especially with this like new project that you were working on, Solus, like, did you feel like that pressure, like, I have to like deliver because I'm Lido Gomez's son and Tony's brother and all this stuff, or did you not feel that pressure? So here's the thing. I'm extremely competitive by nature. Um, I used to be an athlete and just kind of in everything I do, I'm very competitive to a point that it kind of gets annoying for other people to deal with me, but I'm all right with it. I don't really care. And yeah, so actually blending solace, I didn't feel any pressure because, well, for one, my father has always made it very clear. It's like, dude, you don't have to live up to me at all. And that's always been a huge thing for him. He's like, you're my son, but you don't have to follow my footsteps. You can do what you want, and you can operate the way you want. And obviously, like, I'm not going to say it is, like, I feel like the standard is high, if anything. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what I wanted to shoot for. But when I was blending the solos, I it wasn't any pressure like that. It was just, you know what, I'm going to do this. I, I love this. Like, I'm going to make my... I was like, I'm going to try and make the best cigar we make just because of my competitive nature. But it wasn't necessarily like, I have to make sure this is great. Right. Um, because of Lito and Tony. Right. I think, like I said, I think the end result so far has been positive on the, the Solus. And we'll talk more about that. Somebody did have a question for you um, that just came in from Facebook. It says, in your opinion, what is different about your generation of cigar manufacturers and the generations before? That's actually a very good question. Um, I'm going to have to think about that one, but for one, in terms of my age range, um, in my demographic, you're just going to have social factors. Like for one, social media. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of been huge in I mean, for me growing up, it's been around basically my whole time. So that, I feel like that is one huge difference. But also now, I feel like we're facing a lot of, in terms of the the industry in general, I feel like we're facing a lot of areas to entry with the FDA. Um, So that's another one. And shit, man. It's a really good question. Yeah, I, I feel like those are two. That's that's all I got right now. To kind of pull back on that a little bit, um, what, I mean, obviously, I'm sure your peers and all kind of know about your family and like what they do and cigars kind of pipe, pop up uh, with some of your leisure time with your friends. Um, what do people, 
I know I sound like an old person now when I ask this, but what if <laughs> like kind of your age, kind of how do they feel about cigars? Because I, I kind of, I try to think back to like when I was young and, you know, the only time like we really, I saw cigars was like, you know, in Looney Tunes, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Bugs Bunny and, and characters like that. And even some other cartoons, you know, they would always smoke cigars and, and, but it was like nothing, you know, and coming up in the industry, I remember when I came in, uh, in 2010, I just had a completely different perspective on cigars than I do now. So like, what do people kind of in your age group, how do they feel about cigars in the cigar industry? Okay. So overall, I, great question, by the way, overall, it's just, I feel like there's a huge stigma around cigars mm-hmm. and there is. Um, that it's only for older people, um, like obviously, like not necessarily twenty or thirty year olds, mm-hmm. twenty one or thirty year olds, and that it's for if you're extremely wealthy and whatnot. So yeah, it's like every time I bring it up, in since a young age, people were like, "What the hell is this kid saying?" Like that's just weird. But, like, now, um, I feel like it's kind of changed. And I, all my friends, like, I'm not stingy with it. They're like, hey, like, can I try a cigar? I've never smoked one. And that's been the case a lot of times. And whatever, um, I'll give them one. And they're like, you know what? Like, this isn't that bad. So, although, surprisingly, I feel like I've been able to change that stigma for a lot of my friends. I mean, I kind of had to. So, yeah, I have a good group of friends where, like, once a week we'll meet up and we'll smoke. And it's, like, not even odd or anything. It's just kind of, like, normal at this point for them and, like, myself. And, but, yeah, overall, I feel like the whole thing is that it's not necessarily for 21 or, like, 30-year-olds. Like, there's something you do when you're older. Um, yeah. I think that's interesting just because, you know, when I came into the cigar industry, it was kind of the same thing, which is it was for affluent people. You know, it was like the, the yachts and the, the expensive watches and all this kind yep. of stuff. And that's the mentality that we had. And like 10 years later, though, it's like maybe it's because I'm, you know, within the industry now. But you see, it's, it's for everybody. It's not just, you know, like that mentality of that. It's just for the older people and for people who have money is like kind of like the stereotype but apparently we we've yet to like break that barrier about you know with that stereotype yeah however i i have been noticing that at all these events and this great to see and i know everybody in my position in the industry can agree to this i've been seeing a lot more younger people on the consumer side on the retail side and it's just cool because it it lets you know that this industry is going to keep on going mm-hmm. and people are starting off at a younger age and one, it gives us a chance to um, bring these people in the industry and create customer loyalty, of course, but also just allows the industry itself to grow because mm-hmm. as I said, um, our generation is the social media generation. Mm-hmm. So with these people getting into cigars, now they're going to be busting with up. And it's just going to continue growing. So heading back to the stigma, yes, I feel like it is kind of present, but it is certainly changing. 
which I'm very happy about. You know, having a discussion with someone uh, a couple of days ago about the difference between the different generations. Like I said, we talk about things differently or we talk about products completely differently. You know, like our, like when you're talking to your friends about cigars, are they really concerned about wrapper binder filler and stuff like that? Like, hell no. Exactly. Have no idea. They, they have, like, if they ask, which a lot of my friends, like, just through sort of time have, have gotten more curious about the process. And I feel like as they learn more and more, they want to keep learning, mm-hmm. which is, which is a great, it's not, it's a natural thing, but it's also a great thing. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, they have no idea what's what, except they're like, oh, what's in it? And I'll just go and I'll explain, but they have no idea what a wrapper binder really does. So, yeah. But you said like they're interested in the in the process, which I think is interesting yeah. too, because I think you know just writing something today about the process and about how we always like if you read a lot of press releases, the press releases will start will describe the end of the process, like wrapper binder filler. Yeah, a great cigar. Here's the price point. Buy it and. It missed like, the entire, like, what made, like, how is this made and stuff like that. And I know that's a boring to some people, but I think people younger kind of want to know that process because I think that's the confusion that sometimes a lot of people have with cigars and they confuse it with cigarettes because they think oh, yeah, cigars are almost made just like cigarettes. And it's like, it's a completely different process. It's not made that way. But maybe yeah. that's the industry's fault for not explaining that process a little bit better well i mean i wouldn't necessarily say it's an industry fault um either way i love the way you put it wrapper <laughs> binder filler price point go out and buy it mm-hmm. i don't think it's necessarily an industry fault i think it's just um for just in general that's kind of in terms of a lot of these reviews it's we're putting this out so people can know about it and buy it. And ju- it, it's just like a human nature type thing. But I feel like overall, everybody does. And at the shows, everybody always asks about it, like the, the full process, not just what you see on reviews, because at the end of the day, that is the part that's most interesting. You know, mm-hmm. it's a long process, takes a lot of work. But in terms of, and I don't really see that much wrong with it, terms of the reviews are you saying price point blend blah blah go buy it it's just something quick but i wouldn't necessarily say it's an industry fault and i do think a lot of people are more interested in the full process which is a great thing yeah like and to kind of dig in a little bit like when you're going when you personally are going out to buy a product you know, like how much, how do you do that research? Like, what are you looking for? It's like, let's just say if it's a cigar, like what's going to make you go out and buy that cigar? Okay. Well, for one, I feel like in my, in, in my case, it's kind of different just because mm-hmm. I know the tobacco that I like and I know the profiles I, I like and the strength I like. So for me, it's kind of, Obviously, it has to be a premium product. I'm not, I haven't, I've never smoked a machine made cigar. I don't think I ever will. Um, <laughs> if I do buy accident, my dad will kick my house. <laughs> so I'm not I'm kidding. But yeah, I'm not going to ever go and do that. But for me, 
it's yeah it's more about what i like and obviously i know or i have a i have a better understanding than people who are not in the industry about which companies do um how they operate and like because for the most part the whole process got similar but obviously because we got to keep it premium but for me it's very interesting is how those small tweaks like everybody has their own way of doing something mm-hmm. um and yeah so i kind of judge it off in terms of the buying one oh i know the spread two or mainly like what are the profiles what tobacco's in it and yeah but i haven't necessarily bought a non-lfd in a long time right what's your yeah. favorite lfd cigar besides list. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Actually, my I kind of have a top three, okay. if that's all right. Yeah. That's all, and that's only because they're very different. Mm-hmm. Well, for one, um, and I hate saying it because it's like my biggest competition, but Lenox. Lenox, the second it came out, it's I I fell in love with the cigar, and it's great. Um, then the Cameroon Cabinet Number Threes. Which are it's a small box press. It's the one my dad always has on him, and those I like just because it's a a smaller cigar. And me personally, I don't really have the time to sit down for three four hours just for school and everything and work and everything else. So I don't necessarily have time to sit down for that long. So that cigar is perfect because it's quick, has Cameroon in it, which I love. And yeah, um, we have like four boxes of them in my house at all times because of my dad. So that's convenient. And the third is a Reservo Special El Jaco Aduro. That will probably be at like my one or two right now. Okay. I I smoked it for first time like the a week after it came out because I was smoking um, a different size of it. And it's the classic El Jaco shape with a nice, very dark wrapper. And I, I used, I took some inspiration for that for all this. So yeah, absolutely beautiful smoke. I love that thing. So, so obviously, you spent time in the factory, um, and not a lot of people have had the opportunity to go to your factory. And I was telling your brother that with thanks to Pro Cigar, I was able to kind of see the factory yeah. and everything how it works. And I think that completely changes your perspective on, I think any cigar company where you can see the factory and the people working and how everything is organized and stuff like that. So um, for you, like what is it like when you go down and you spend time in the factory? Hey, well, overall, I just want to touch on Pro Cigar. Pro Cigar is amazing. I, mm-hmm. I haven't, I haven't had the opportunity to go, past few years because one COVID and then this year school and I had my midterms that week so I wasn't able to take off unfortunately but overall it's a great experience the pro cigar team and so Lito's on it so I see it they're working round the clock every day of the year to make sure it's perfect and it is most of the times and I I genuinely recommend pro cigar to every like even if you're my friends, like I tell them, like, yo, do you want to come with us? Like, it, like you could, it's fine. And I, I feel like I'm going to bring a few too many of my friends this year. But 
Yeah, it's it's a great time. Um, in terms of my experience with the factory, it's home. Um, I genuinely and I'm not we're not Dominican in any way, shape, or form, but I just like because going there since a young age, but I've always been in love with the place and I genuinely see it as like my second home. And the factory itself, um, a lot's going on, which is great. So even since I was younger, it was always something to do. Um, and yeah, Lido's always working on making it beautiful and whatnot and making sure it's not just looks and it's actually a good time. So um, yeah, that's, I feel like that's kind of my experience with the factory. Yeah, and uh, I agree with you about Pro Cigar. I've been twice. Um, Amazing. And I, I think, for me, it's like I said, being down there and seeing the process of how the cigars are made, like, it, it just changes your whole perspective. Like, you have to kind of experience it. Um, and then this the chance to network. It's such a – it's an international yeah. – So, it's always funny for me, like, when you go to Pro Cigar and you're from the U.S., it's like – you know, like some of the the um, dinners at night, they have like an international table, and they're like, "Yeah, it's you can sit here." And they're talking to people from the U.S., but you don't have like like we don't always have that mentality. We're sitting there like, "Oh, like who's gonna sit there?" Like you all need to sit there, like U.S. people. So it's just like, "Oh no, I I promise you, every time I'm, I go to Pro Cigar, I meet somebody from a country I've never like met anybody from. Sometimes even heard of, like to a point." Like uh -huh. just everybody goes and it's great. It, I, I feel like the DR is perfect place for that too. And just everything that they set up. Um, yeah. So it's like a nice break because for the most part, a lot of the events are mostly U.S. And then you go to Pro Cigar, as you said, there's one table for people from the U.S. It's mm -hmm. like, whoa, culture shock. But yeah. Um, you know, I want to talk about some of the new stuff that, I saw from La Florida Dominicana at uh, PTA this this year, so a couple weeks ago. Um, one of those was, and I'm oh, I was wondering if you had any hand in this, but you all are working on an NFT project, and yep. And I thought that was interesting because NFTs are something that I've been reading about. I'm you know yeah. researching and getting you know trying to get familiar with, and I think a lot of people you know, they have experiences with NFTs uh, to some degree or they have heard about it. So what, you know, what role did you kind of play in the NFT project? And do you have it? Do you, do you have experience with, with like Bitcoin and, and that whole yeah. area? Like, is that something that you were interested okay. in or is it something yeah. that Tony kind of brought to you? Like how did that whole thing kind of come about? Well, I'm going to just put this perspective surprisingly I'm not huge in all this new technology. Mm -hmm. Social media is fine, but to an extent. Um, and then obviously when Bitcoin and Ethereum came out, I was like, you know what? Like this is like, because I knew a lot of people who like made a lot of money. Every time on both, I sold at the wrong time because I got too pissed off that I don't know. So I've, I haven't got up yet. I was up and because I saw the few Ethereum shot down. So I, I'm not a huge fan of it all, but I'll say um, the whole thing with the NFT, it was Tony who spearheaded the project. 
Um, and I'm extremely happy that he did. I remember he called me one day. He's like, hey, like, what do you know about NFTs? <laughs> I was like, dude, I'm, like, I've, I know it's a picture and people are paying shit on a money for him. Don't mm-hmm. ask me anymore because that's like all I at the time because it was early on, like, as he said, it was around the time when people sold his NFT for like 64, 65 million, uh, some crazy auction. And yeah, so he called me about it. And then I started doing some own, my own like research in terms of like, I would, like I was just asking my friends, like, what do you guys do? And then after I started like actually knowing more about it, um, obviously every, every time I learned something new, him and I would talk about it, but yeah, he, as I said, he spearheaded it. So it was cool to be like, it's like, yeah, this is like what I'm hearing. Personally, I, I didn't have that much involvement besides just if he needed me, like needed him for needed me to like opinions or whatnot, I'd help. I think it's a brilliant idea and I'm so happy we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like I get to have some of the whole new generation thing. This is, I feel like a lot of people, as I'm saying, look at the cigar industry as it is old fashioned, but they kind of see it as like a just very old industry in general. But this, us using this NFT platform, I feel like it's kind of us bringing, bringing the new age to the industry and bringing the industry forward as well. So I'm very happy about it. The cigar itself is a Lonzo version of uh, the Andalusian Bull, mm-hmm. which, as I said, I, I said earlier, I don't like big cigars. The Andalusian Bull is the number one of the cigars I don't want to smoke because it's too big. That and I, I, I have a, I can't have them. A lot of people ask me, oh, you probably smoke them all the time. Yeah, no. Um, I got one for my graduation in high school. That was it. I haven't touched one since. <laughs> Except putting a box in boxes to ship out. But yeah, I myself, I, I haven't touched them. So I actually have a box right here of the. Um, so the whole NFT program is we're doing an auction. It starts August 11th. Actually, and we're all extremely excited for it too. I know some people are doing events or it and whatnot. And how it's going to work is we're starting the bidding at 20,000 to my knowledge. And it's just going to each. So we're doing seven NFTs, right? Each auction is going to last for 48 hours mm-hmm. and they're going one by one. And if you win the NFT, you're going to get a giant, I know it's it's been posted, giant gold brick humidor, cool thing ever, with 50 of these cigars in them. And then every month, you get the opportunity to buy 70. Here's a cigar right here. I actually love this size too, so it's perfect. Too bad I'm not going to be able to smoke them once we sell these things. Um, and yeah, once you order them every month, they're going to come in these nice, beautiful packaging. Um, also looks like a gold brick. So yeah, um, I, so 
from the get-go, you're asking like, oh, what was your involvement? Or what was the whole process like? I, the reason I hate N- hated NFTs to start is because there's no value in them. Right. Or there is, but it's not, you're not getting any tangible value. And there's a lot of tangible value in being one of seven people to get a version of the Andalusian Bull that I like a lot more than the Andalusian Bull. So, yeah, that was that was always something huge, like, from the get-go when we were coming up with it. We're like, we're not just going to make an NFT, uh, a picture of something for people to have. There's got to be value. So, yeah, it's I'm very excited for the auction, say at least, to see it roll out. And hopefully anyone watching us right now is interested in buying an NFT. Yeah, and I thought with uh, – I was telling Tony this when he was on the show a couple weeks ago that – what I liked about it is just what you said. You actually get something from the NFT. It's not just there's a, like I was reading an article, uh, I think Variety magazine, maybe or Billboard, one of those. And they were interviewing Madonna and she was talking about, oh, I, I really wanted this board eight uh, NFT that was designed based on me, but I couldn't afford it. And it was like, you can't afford it. And it's like Madonna. And, you know, she said, oh, my, you that's know, nuts you know, one of my fans bought it and I thought maybe they, they would sell it to me, but they didn't. And, you know, but it was like, what do you get from it? She was just saying like, it was just a, a illustration that looked like her, like that was it. Like that was the, the value. So I always think like NFTs, I do see the value in them in the future of, you know, when they're connected to smart contracts. Cause I think that that's what they're yeah. doing and stuff like that. That's what's yeah. coming. And I think that's worked up on the blockchain. Yeah, and I think that's exciting. But you know, the whole thing of just getting, like I said, just you know, getting a picture and, and that's it is is not that enticing. But with what you all are doing, getting you yeah. know, getting something out of it and getting something exclusive, you know, for a lifetime of however long you want to own this thing is to me is yeah. more interesting. And will that end? Going back to it. At the beginning, I did have a few friends I got. I have one friend that um, he was close to getting a board ape. He got something else kind of similar. All my friends who own NFTs have lost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So from the get-go, I'm like, I'm not buying. I'm never buying one unless I get something for it. I think, so, yeah. I think companies like like LFD are, are experimenting with it now. Like They kind of see that it could be used for and there's ways to make it more interesting. Like I was reading or, or listening to an, a podcast that was talking about music artists, like the old school way of like, you know, you have to go to a record label, you know, to get a con to, you know, to get a deal, record deal. You know, you make the music, the record company gets a certain amount of that music. They own your masters, yada, 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 all the stuff. But it's like now with, with NFT and that technology and the blockchain, you could, in theory, fun whole first album using nfts and let people own a part of you know your music and oh yeah your record label i think if you start thinking about it actually yeah i i just read about a company that's doing that you buy an nft and um i'm not exactly sure how it works i'm pretty sure that you get like exclusive access Mm -hmm. to music and then like that's yours so i also like for nfts i feel like it's a great thing that now there's actually a value behind it, like it's moving forward. I also know somebody um, who, he's an artist, 
he um he is on a car and he sold the NFT of the car and the person who won the NFT got the car. It was a very nice car. So I, <laughs> like that is that's sick. And, mm-hmm. and and what he painted on the car, like splatter, it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. So it's very cool to see how this is all gonna play out. But at the end of the day, this is so new. I feel like very few people know how this works. So it's gonna be cool to see how it changes like from now on. And like you said, or like Tony was saying too, um, you know, you all will have the ability to say you all were among the first in the in this space, in this industry to do it, because I'm sure 10 years from now, you'll see all these different companies trying to do some type of NFT project as well. You know, once this technology becomes a little bit more accessible to everybody and more of the cryptocurrency stuff is a little bit more accessible. So being a, a first adopt, you know, adapter or adopter of this technology is, I think, a, a pretty interesting and and this business move. So kudos yeah. to, to kind of because I'm pretty sure it was, it was a, a learning curve for everyone, but also a lot of work to make sure that, like I said, there's some utility behind the NFT. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, as you said, being, and that was always the thing, like, when we were racing to get the setup, we're like, we don't know if somebody's doing it, but we gotta be the first or else, and, like, what, because it's, like, it's brand new, and I don't know if we want to take the risk or we're not the first, so, um, it's awesome, and we're extremely, so, as I said, Tony Spear out of this, he not he knocked out the park, and it's very cool to see how this is going to play out, so, yeah, man. Thank you again. Um, and now the other big release of PCA in the world. Yeah. Like your baby. So like what yeah. behind this this cigar? Like how did it come about? Was your inspiration for it? Yeah. So this is Solus right here. This is my pride and joy. On 21. So 21 years. <laughs> put in a one cigar right here. Um, as I said... There's never been pressure, but this is like a dream come true for me mm-hmm. to one be able to get being able to get Lito's approval on a cigar and like him being like this is this is fantastic. Like we're gonna roll with this. That I was yeah, I felt very good to an extent, relieved. So yeah, this is a dream come true for one. Um in terms of process, I've always been so I cook a lot and Scott is lead off. That was something we always like bonded over. Mm-hmm. And he he taught me how to cook since I was like five years old. So for me, blending is and he puts it this way too, it's kind of a very similar. So and I'm very creative, so blending was just that perfect space. Everything I love just in one. And yeah, supposedly, uh, not supposedly, I fully remember this one. I was, this way years ago, I went up to the head of the rolling room and I had like, I guess the night before I was on like cigar personnel and mm-hmm. I was looking at our cigars. I was like, try to find, and like I was looking at our numbers too, but tobaccos were the best. So that day I went up to the guy, I'm like, yo, put this together <laughs> i go show to my dad and then he found out he's like yeah no <laughs> we're not doing this. this this isn't the right way 
you're you have a long way to go. And it's 2019, a week after the show, or oh my god, no, this was a week after a show of 2018, four years ago. Um, I was like, look, I'm ready. Like, I want to do it. I have, I have an image in my mind of the tobaccos I really like, and I'm I'm ready to go through full process. So I show him the tobacco. He's like, no, that's not how we're going to do it. So they're like, great. So he's like, I'm here. We walk out of his office. We, so we were in the factory, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the middle of the rolling room, giant table. Yes. It, in like that platform stage. Uh-huh. Yeah. He had the, and I'm extreme. it was tedious, but I'm very thankful for this to be my first experience. He had the head of the rolling room roll up a shrew. So just like a one leaf little, very quick cigar of every single leaf of tobacco we had in the factory. Um, And he said, all right, go. And I was very confused. I was like, what am I supposed to do? So I smoke them all, try them all. Let me know what you like. And just process of elimination. And at first I was like, like, as I said with Lita, like his biggest thing, like, we're not going to take shortcuts. If you're going to do something, you're going to do it right, and you're going to do the hard way. You're not like we're not playing games. Like this is it. So that I remember looking at the table, and he walks away. Everybody walks away. I'm standing there like shit. All right. <laughs> like, and then after a bit, I was like, you know what? This is sick. So yeah, I was there for a week for the first go. And I ended up with three prototype blends, all pretty different. And as I said, I had I had wrote down the, like the tobaccos that I liked. The one I fell in love with was complete, like the exact opposite of what I had originally imaged in my head. And yeah, so the whole, I feel like what kind of made me fall in love with it is it, it holds true to LFT. Like, uh, uh, let's be honest, we make very strong cigars, mm-hmm. more medium full than anything else. And that is a part of us. So, and just like me, from my experience, I prefer more medium full, stronger cigars. So it held to that, but it had very bright flavors to it. And it was just kind of, and you see the caramel wrapper and it plays with your head a little bit and like you kind of don't know what's going on and it changes like th- three times basically. So yeah, I, I was like, this is, this is nuts and gave it to my dad and he, um he was very happy. And I, yeah, I remember t- taking a minute of myself. So like, wow, like, this is, this is everything like this, that. Yeah. So in terms of why, Solus, I feel like everybody who has an older brother or younger brother can attest to this. Um, brothers are very competitive. <laughs> and me, as I said, I'm very competitive by nature. So I was thinking about it. Um, and I've always heard, oh, you guys have one ox. Where's, oh, like, like as a joke. And then um, on the other point, and I'm very open about this, I have... 
obviously he's my brother and we love to compete and I, I love to say I'm better than him. I have an immense amount of respect for him. And as, as you said, he's also a role model and a mentor to me. So I was like, you know what, like, yes, compete, but this is kind of like an ode to like you. Um, and I've never told him this, so great. He's going to hear it and I'm going to, yeah, whatever. But um, yeah, so I, I was like, you know what? We have Lenox, we're going to do Hollis. And in terms of the band on it, what the whole process was, I don't even know why, but I just pictured a sunset, mm-hmm. like coming up on an ocean, like randomly popped in my head. Um, and I was like, this could be very sick. And we had a whole different amount of prototype bands. And so Tony, obviously I had a lot of say on the band um, and I worked with him on it, but he, he, he spearheaded it in a way. Um, and yeah, he's like, you know what? I'm going to do something super abstract. I'm going to show it to you. And so it came out. So you have like the blue, the purple, the red, the blue is like the ocean, then like the sun rising, sun setting, and then the four suns of that different color. And the whole goal with like the colors and the stripes is it's like on the solace band is those stripes. It's like we want somebody to see that and be like, that's Hollis. Mm-hmm. Like, this is that. And we wanted it to distinguish itself. So he absolutely killed it on the bands. And I'm extremely thankful for him for doing so. And we're very happy the way it came out. Um, and in terms of flavor and blend, it's nuts. I love it. I'm very, it exceeded my expectations. Um, so, yeah, in terms of rollout, I guess I should say, you, you'll see it in, uh, in shelves in around September. Um, and, yeah, I'm extremely thankful the process and that it wasn't the easy way out but i am very looking forward to making my second one and having it be better than solos so i'm not like a one-hit wonder i guess you could say yeah not that i think there's a lot of buzz around it at the show and i can see this easily make it you know at the end of the year when lots of the media likes to do their top 25 lists and stuff i can see that move it making me onto a lot of those lists. And once it is released, I can see a lot of ratings and reviews coming out because it is, uh, I think you all did a, a good marketing to it where you didn't have to, you know, force it down people's throats. You just kind of said, you know, look, we, we have something new coming out and this was blended by Lido Jr. And this is like next generation kind of stuff. And I think that in, was enough to get a lot of people intrigued. So um, I've been looking at the different reviews because I personally can't pick out flavor notes and cigars and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So um, I look for other people. Oh, and in all honestly, I obviously I I've, like I have a palate. I'm able to pick it up, but sometimes reading these reviews, I'm just like, nice. <laughs> I had no idea that was a thing. Great. I, I had I like it nuts. Um, but in terms of solace and reviews, um. Yeah, I want to jinx it. Hopefully it does well. But then again, both Lido and my otherness, it's kind of, we're not doing this for reviews. Like, we're like, we're making, we're like, we genuinely, we're doing things we love. So, yeah, I am. 
I hope it does really well. And I'm like, I don't want jinxes, so I'm going to shut up. But it really does up. It does well. But overall, like, regardless of the outcome on the stream rate, um, we're all very proud of how it came out. And we're super excited for everybody to try it. So you're talking about, you know, working on some new blends and stuff like that. Is that kind of the part of the process that you think you're going to do more of? Like get more into like how to blend and, and stuff like that? Or are you kind of interested in some other parts of the cigar industry? So, um, yeah, that will, for one, the angle is me and Tony running the factory together. Um, but as I said, it's together. Um, and I'm extremely excited for that. But yeah, blending for me, I mean, obviously with school and everything else and me being here in Miami, it is kind of difficult, but that's like every time I'm down there, that's what I'm doing. If not going around my father and helping him out or whatever he needs. But yeah, um, so I'm actually happy you brought it up. So here, uh, I work in the distribution office. So I'm able to see like both sides of the spectrum and it's great. And in terms of what most interesting, I love, love doing events and I love meeting new people. I'm a very social person by nature. So that's huge. And I also like marketing. So honestly, I feel like everything is just perfect for me. But um, yeah, I am very, very excited to go down there full time and start slowly, slowly <laughs> getting into that position. Um, you know, at, oh, at, and and proving myself to yeah, Tony and whatnot. <laughs> competing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think you have to prove yourself, as you said earlier. Uh, I think that kind of sets people up mind wise, like they'll never, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that's our thing. If you if you constantly and like I've so as I said I used to I used to, I was an athlete I played tennis so like if you had your mind to one person and like doing one thing I feel like that the greatest you'll do is that right and like you won't so like that whole proving I probably don't say but that whole proving thing is kind of like weird I just like wanted who great and like and who well I like what I'm doing so yeah it's kind of the whole thing. Um, you know, usually at this point of the show, I like to ask certain questions of you. Um, one of those questions is, what's, um, what's your why or what's your motivation to do what you do? Yeah. Um, nice. <laughs> um, so, as I said, uh, obviously, I, I looked up to my father a lot and I've learned a, a lot of valuable things from him. And his story just through everything, it's kind of given me two major whys. One, um, he's he's always been a huge example of you, you'll never work a day in your life if you love what you do. So that's always been a huge thing, and I've I haven't really put a phrase to it, but I have no. I always I've always like felt the same thing. It's like be the best at what makes you happy. Um, so that's kind of my why, but also just like, at, as I said, like, well, Lito's story, it's like, you got to learn the hard way. You got to just jump in with like, you don't care. And you just, if, if you run into a brick wall, break your face, get up and keep going. It's like, 
those I feel like are too solid wise, I guess. Um, but, but yeah, for sure, be the best and what makes you happy. Because if you're not happy, there's no point in doing anything unless you have to. Exactly. School, for example. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the last kind of question is you're of the younger generation, like you said, 20s. Uh, what's your, and I think you'll be a, a good person to ask this question to that you can't ask, but what's your advice to other like cigar companies to help bring in like that next generation of smokers, yeah. like or like of customers and followers or whatever you want to call them? Because I think they struggle sometimes with, you know, how do you connect with that 20, and 30 crowd like you said because they struggle because there's that that stigma from the non-cigar smoker that this is something for their grandfather or you know person or something like that so how do they bring how what's your advice to them for how they can bring in that that new customer who's a little bit on the the younger adult side yeah well first off i don't know if i should be giving advice to any companies as they're well distinguished but um I mean, I feel like with that, it's a, you're walking on an extremely fine line because, you know, like at the end of the day, we don't want our product to get in the hands of people of underage, you know, and I feel like there's the line is very blurred from of age and underage, you know, and especially in college, like I've, I have a few very good friends over me, so it's very hard to say like, oh, like this is who we're going to target, but I feel like doing things like that. NFT, for example, I feel like that's a cool way to get into it. Um, and just being you, you know, I, as again, I'm not giving advice to anybody. I can't. However, um, yeah, just continue to move the wheel. Like my brother and Tony and I mean, my father and Tony and a lot of our companies have been doing. And as I said earlier, I feel like this thing must slowly breaking away you know yeah well i like i said you you said you might not uh be in a position to give advice at all at all and i'm holding to that (laughs) at all i think that's still good advice that you gave um i think we we kind of like you said it is a fine line because you don't want the products obviously to get in the wrong hands but at the same time you have to think about how do you bring in that you know that young adult who maybe is curious, but just feels like it's out of reach. So um. I know, but, and also I feel like slowly the industry has been kind of like from the manager manufacturers standpoint, like a lot of new things coming on, you know, it's a lot of cool, cool projects that everyone's doing. Um, and yeah. Well, um, what social media do people need to follow? What websites to get in touch with you and to follow Law Florida Dominicana? I know there is a banner that's been up for most of the episode, but for those people who are maybe listening to this on um, a podcasting platform, could you just tell people what? Um, they yeah. Need? So, um, I mean, obviously, so I don't know if you follow Lido Senior on Instagram, it's hilarious. <laughs> Um, his, his Instagram is Lido underscore Gomez. He, he, like, he loves interacting with people and he's always been a huge fan of um, not being present on social media and interacting. And I'm pretty sure he follows everybody 
just every consumer possible. It's a cool thing. It really moves them. So for sure, follow him. Um, Tony, I don't know where his Instagram is. Antonio Jeezy. Um, the LFD website, LFD Instagram. And if I'm important enough for you to follow me, um, LFD Lito Jr. on Instagram. Try to think of it. Yeah, no, I feel like those are a few solid accounts. Well, it's funny because I think this is a kind of a good point to, to end on, but somebody said, uh, looking forward to seeing Lido rise up in the game. So, uh, yeah. I definitely Appreciate agree with that. I think it's fun to kind of see new new blood kind of come into the industry. And you're not new, but you, you've been here for a while. But I'm new. Taking in, I mean, I would say taking a more prominent role within the industry as the years go by. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you really kind of rise up and really yeah. uh, have a more Thank prominent you. role in La Florida Minicana. Um, like, not, not like I told your brother. You know, La Florida Minicon is like one of those first cigar brands that I kind of came in on. I know usually people have to graduate and work their way up to La Florida Minicana in terms of the strength profile, but I kind of did yeah. it. So it kind of helped, you know, set the balance. <laughs> now anything else I can usually handle. Um, but um, I think you all are doing some really interesting things and I'm looking forward to following you all. And like I said, and catching it, having you all on the show regularly just to kind of catch up with what you all are doing so um yeah, thank you for coming on today appreciate it as i said i'm extremely happy to be be here so thank you again for reaching out and i'm thankful for all of you who tuned in to to watch this amazing podcast so yeah yeah thank you guys yeah and for those people like i said who are watching on facebook or youtube or twitter just make sure you hit that like or subscribe button if you're listening to this on any of the podcasting platforms, uh, make sure you subscribe and also leave a review. Uh, reviews kind of help to improve the show. Um, and we have, it's like a really packed uh, August. <laughs> so we have like uh, two weeks of uh, uh, two shows a week. And then uh, I think we just booked another. So it's like full. So there's a lot going on this, this month on deep cuts. And uh, if you missed any of this episode, or you want to catch up on any of the other 90 plus episodes, you can do so at deepcutslive.com. They're all up there. And this episode will be up uh, later on tonight and or tomorrow. Um, so um, thank you again, Lido, for coming. Yeah. On. Thank you, Antoine. And thank you, everyone who uh, tuned in to watch today. And until next time. So back here next Tuesday with a, uh, a new episode. So. Um, looking forward to connecting with everyone again. So have a good week, everyone, and uh, keep watching and keep listening to Deep Cuts Live.